These are people who've come from various places around the world. Uh, uh, in the case of uh, North America, abandoning the, uh, the comfortable confines of, uh, of uh, free and open democracies to go halfway around the world uh, to engage with, uh, with, with terrorist organizations. Uh, they need to assume the responsibility for their behavior. That is Ralph Goodale. He is the uh, Minister of Public Safety responding to pretty big news out of the United States today that could prove very challenging for his government because the U.S. State Department is asking that Canada and all countries repa- uh, repatriate their ISIS fighters. You know, foreign fighters who leave this country then go overseas, take part in jihad, and then go, oh, I don't like this. And so the United States is saying get them out of the custody of the SDF. This is the Syrian Democratic Forces. This is an alliance made up of uh, a number of groups, including Kurdish fighters. They, they don't have the resources to, to take these people on. But the United States government saying take these people back and prosecute them on your home soil. And therein uh, lays the problem for the Trudeau government because it has done very little, if anything, to prosecute returning fighters. Not, I mean, they haven't said anything. And, and you just heard Mr. Goodale. They ain't moving. Figure they're not doing anything, and you know they won't even take their citizenship because a Canadian's a Canadian's a Canadian. So you know, given the government's lack of will, or even I think maybe even competence dealing with these traitors, I'm kind of in the camp where I'm like, okay, then don't bring them home, ignore them, and let them rot where they are. Even though I know that would be very unfair to the Kurdish uh, groups who are an ally of ours. But there is no legal obligation to take them back. So, so what happens? What, what happens to these people? I want to bring Stuart Bell into this conversation. He is at the forefront front of reporting on these issues. He is the reason that we know about any returning ISIS fighters because he's gone over to this region, taken very huge, serious risks and done a lot of the heavy lifting. He is, of course, Global News investigative reporter, and he joins me now. By the United States, uh, Stuart, did this come out of the blue, or were were you expecting this? No, not really out of the blue, because uh, recall that for months now, the the Kurdish forces, the Syrian uh, Democratic Forces fighting ISIS in Syria, have been saying the same thing, that they have been trying to encourage countries to take back their captured ISIS fighters, uh, just because, um, you know, there's a lot of them. There's... there's, uh, something like 900 uh, foreign fighters that are being held. And it's a lot uh, for the Kurds to do to um, just, you know, just keep them imprisoned and, uh, and care for them. So, and, and as the, the closest ally to the SDF, uh, the Americans are just basically um, mimicking that position and in, in saying, look, uh, uh, come and, and do the Kurds a favor. They've been on the front line fighting ISIS. Uh, at least we can do is take these people off their hands. Okay, but this is not legally binding, as I understand. So do we have a choice of whether we do this? Well, I mean, that's a question of law, um, according to uh, to some of the experts that are weighed in. Um, there isn't a requirement for Canada to go, a legal requirement to go and retrieve people like this. Um as a matter of policy, it's kind of difficult to figure out exactly what Canada's policy is right now. It doesn't seem to have a really coherent uh, strategy for dealing with this type of situation. Yeah, I mean, I think you're being a little bit polite there. I mean, they don't seem to have any strategy at all. And I mean, one of the big things that Mr. Goodale has been um, saying is, you know, we don't have the ability 
to uh, prosecute these people. And the United States essentially is saying, take these people home, repatriate them, and prosecute them on home soil. But we don't even have that ability to do that here, apparently. Well, we do. I mean, we have uh, counterterrorism laws that uh, that could be applied to these people. So I'm not sure that's true. I mean, the, the U.S. Uh, certainly has... Uh, has been prosecuting people in this way. Um, we don't have maybe the the experience of doing so, uh, especially with fighters that have come back. But um, there are in Syria right now a couple of cases that uh, seem to have uh, you know a, fa- a fair chance of going on trial and, and being convicted. And so where do you where do you get the sense that the government will go with this? Because uh, they don't seem to have a huge desire to bring any of these ISIS fighters home. Um, and I think a lot of people will say if they don't have the desire to get them home, let alone prosecute them, then why not just leave them there? Right. But what are you doing? You're leaving them in the custody of basically Kurdish rebel forces mm-hmm. um, who don't really have the the means to hold them properly. They don't really have... Uh, proper prisons in a lot of the areas. The the one place I interviewed a captured Canadian fighter it was not a prison at all. It was mm-hmm. a, a former government building that had been kind of repurposed. And the Kurds are under tremendous pressure, yeah. um, not just fighting ISIS, but from Turkey and the Syrian regime. Um, and, you know, so you can imagine some scenarios down the road where um, it may become increasingly difficult for them to hold prisoners hundreds of them, you know, um, there's something like 14 or 12 to 1400, um, uh, families of ISIS fighters and then another 900 captured ISIS foreign fighters. Um, and as the Kurds come under increasing military pressure, there's the prospect of some of those fighters being freed as we've seen in other parts of Syria where they managed to escape or been freed by their, uh, their colleagues. Uh, or, you know, who knows? Who knows what could happen? So I think there's a, the window is kind of closing um, in terms of the relative certainty that's been in that region. It's becoming more uncertain what's going to happen there. So, and that kind of increases the pressure on uh, making a decision as to what to do with Canadians that are held there. Yeah, and certainly with uh, America pulling out of, uh, I guess, combat missions there, et cetera, then it becomes harder for the Kurds, who are kind of on their own, to to deal with all of this. So that that part I get. This is your area of expertise. I mean, you have taken the leading charge on covering this issue. In fact, if it weren't for your reporting, um, we wouldn't even know that ISIS fighters had started to return. Do we know at this point the status of any of these people that have returned? Are they being prosecuted? Well, the reality is that um, almost all the ISIS fighters that were in Syria have been killed. Um, I mean, the, there's very few that have managed to trickle home. I'm aware, I think there's about maybe two or three mm-hmm. um, that have come back. They haven't been prosecuted. Um, the ones that have been charged are people that um, either tried to go and got turned back in Turkey or um, didn't spend very long in Syria and didn't actually engage in fighting. So there's, there's really, there really hasn't been um, a test case yet where somebody who fought with ISIS was, was you know, really actively engaged in the violence has been put on trial. 
to this point. But as I said, there are a couple of people sitting there in, in Syrian custody who uh, have acknowledged being ISIS fighters. Um, we believe that they did much more than that, including, um, you know, in one case serving in the ISIS media department where right. uh, he seems to have been the voice of, uh, of ISIS execution videos. So um, if Canada is going to bring people like that to justice, there's a there's an opportunity opportunity there. And do you get the sense that we're getting kind of any um, any intelligence from these people? Have we been able to glean any information uh, of these people of any of the people that have come back? Oh, I think there's a lot of intelligence, and that's not the problem. The problem is evidence, and it's one thing to to collect uh, information about people and collect it from foreign governments and and rebel groups and things like that. But it's another one to build a case that's going to stand up in a Canadian court. And that's been the concern. That's what Mr. Goodell was talking about today as well, the priority of the government being trying to build uh, criminal trials against people like this. Well, it's not like they haven't had time to, to discuss these kinds of things. They were, they were tasked uh, last year, if I'm correct, to come up with a plan on how to deal with returning ISIS fighters. Have they not uh, put together a framework of how they would prosecute? Well, I, I think, the, yeah, I mean, the framework is there. It's it's the law. The criminal code spells out, um, you know, these types of offenses. Even right. leaving, even trying to leave Canada to um, to join a terrorist group is, is illegal. Um, I think there's a possibility that um, as the conflict is, as, you know, ISIS is being confined to a narrower, narrower zone in Syria now, that uh, there's a potential that, there could be more evidence surfacing, like documents and cell phones and witnesses. And the more people that are captured from ISIS, the more they could potentially become witnesses against each other. So hopefully as this thing moves forward, uh, there may be more opportunities to collect evidence against the types of people that, uh, that I think everybody agrees should be brought to justice for uh, participating in the atrocities of, of ISIS. And just before I let you go, Stuart, I mean, last week it was reported that there was a mass grave found that's believed uh, to have been uh, where ISIS, uh, you know, fighters made their own victims uh, dig their own graves. And that that site has been identified. Is there any appetite, do you think, from Canadian officials to go over that and try to collect any evidence? Well, there may be an appetite, but I don't think the government is allowing um, Canadian government officials to go into that zone at this point. I mean, that's exactly what... The minister said today that, uh, that I mean, when he was asked whether Canada would uh, repatriate some of these people, his response was that it's too dangerous for staff to go into the region, uh, which I assume he's, he's saying that they would have to go there and, and uh, process their travel documents or something of that type. I'm not sure, but uh, at this point, I don't think uh, Canada has any presence there. I mean, the other countries do. The British... Um, French, American military have been in, um, in fact, some of them have been interrogating Canadian detainees. But there's no indication at this point that any Canadian officials, military, or RCMP have actually been uh, doing the same thing. Well, it's a good thing you're willing to go over there and do the uh, hard work, uh, but uh, maybe you'll figure out how to do this. I thank you for joining us with your insight. Okay, thank you. That is Stuart Bell, uh, one of the best reporters in this country, bar none.
He takes huge risks to get these stories. So we'll continue following it. Uh, Just a reminder, we will bring you the State of the Union tonight, parts of it anyway, with uh, Donald Trump. That's uh, just after 9 o'clock. And I think, you know, it's worth watching or listening to because, you know, it's thanks to, to Mr. Trump that our own prime minister pretty much gets a free ride. He makes Trudeau look better than he actually is. And I think one thing to keep in mind is, you know, Trump is delivering a speech and while people may hate him, that country's firing on all cylinders. The economy is booming. Stock markets love him. Unemployment rates are the lowest we've seen in decades. Food stamp use is down. So he's going to brag about all of that stuff. And, and I sure hope Trudeau is watching because we're headed in the opposite direction. You know, our businesses cannot compete against Trump. We've got foreign investment fleeing every day. GDP is slowing. Unemployment really hasn't moved up or down. It's 50% higher than it is in the United States. But but most of all, America's inner energy independent and our energy is landlocked. So folks can hate Trump all they want, but he's getting stuff done. And um, I think Trudeau gets a lot of free passes because he's polished. You know, it's easier to pick on Trump. But when you actually look at the bare bones and the numbers, America's doing a whole lot better. And thanks to them, they're carrying us right now. That's what we do have going for us. Here on Point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.